Hey, everybody, this is Charles Maxwood. I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about JS Remote Conf. Uh, we just picked speakers. Things are looking really good. And uh, we're really excited to cover a broad range of topics for JavaScript developers. So if you're looking to learn things about Node.js, about becoming a better developer, about deployment, about mobile development, and much more, and much more about JavaScript, then come check us out, jsremoteconf.com. Uh, you can also find it by going to devchat.tv slash conferences and then picking the conference you want. We have last year's recordings there. We have this year's uh, conference coming up. So make sure you get your ticket and we'll see you there. Folks, this is Charles Max Wood from JavaScript Jabber. Uh, this is going to be our first uh, My JS Story, which is a new segment that we're putting together for the show. Um, I actually recorded yesterday, I recorded one of these where I just kind of answered the questions myself and it was terrible. So we're starting with Keith instead. <laughs> um, I, I Anyway, I, I'm a little self-conscious, so I didn't like the way it went. But anyway, um, we're basically going to get in. We're going to ask a handful of questions. I'm going to be asking our guests pretty much the same questions. Um, and then I'll also be asking questions uh, based on their answers to kind of tease out the answer or tease out more information about what they have to say and what their story is. You're getting a little bit more of an explanation this time because this is the first one you get. Um but yeah, we have we have some scheduled with some pretty interesting people. Um, so stay tuned for these um, people that you're probably going to be interested in hearing. I have appointments to do these with Michael Rogers, who maintains Node.js, as well as Isaac Schluter from NPM, and a bunch of other people who are really cool. And of course, Keith, who is also <laughs> awesome. All right, so we had Keith on episode 222 of JavaScript Jabber, and you talked to, to us about Nodal. Uh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. So that was fun. Um, but we're going to get into where you came from. And the first question um, I'm asking primarily because I know there are a lot of new people out there, and they think, oh, you've got these people like Keith that work on awesome projects like Nodal, and I, I just never get there. And I'm like, you know, Keith, Keith was a new programmer once. So Keith, how did you get started with programming? <laughs> um, yeah, so I actually, I actually started programming um, when, I was, when I was pretty young. Uh, I, I started programming around probably about the age of 10 or 11 years old, but I didn't start necessarily headed in the right direction. <laughs> um, it, was, uh, it was fun and there was a lot of experimentation. I actually started with Visual Basic 5. Um, so you won't hear any developers really talking about Visual Basic in, nowadays in anything except for, for negative terms. Um, but uh, my, my father was a software engineer, and um, I was a little bit of a handful to take care of on, uh, on weekends, I think, um, when it was his responsibility to look over me. And I uh, had tons of energy, and, but I was really into computers and like messing around with stuff on the screen. So he sat me down and... Uh, showed me how to write a few lines of code in Visual Basic and how to change, like, make the background of the form flash and change colors. And I was just mesmerized, like, right away. And he basically just just left the code open, um, didn't really tell me how to do much, and just let me sit with it. And, uh, and a couple hours later, he came back, and I had uh, just made my first simple application, I think, that was literally just this form that was rapidly changing background colors on a timer, and I was so pleased with myself. Um, and that's that's kind of how it all started. And then uh, then on weekends, from that point out, I'd just uh, I'd be really itching 
to just sit in front of a computer and, and play around with uh, with Visual Basic. Um, and it kind of stayed that way, just as like a kind of toy sort of thing um, for uh, for a couple of years. But that was that was the uh, the initial like origin story of when I kind of wrote my first couple lines of code. Right. So I lead in with everyone starts somewhere. Don't get discouraged. And we got the child <laughs> prodigy on the show. My goodness. <laughs> um, yeah. No. I mean. Uh, to be honest, I think uh, a lot of programming, no matter what age you, you get involved at, um, a, a lot of it's just about experimentation and, and like kind of the joy of creation and just seeing what you can build. Um, I, I don't think there's like an age requirement on really just being able to hop in, write a few lines of, of text and tell a computer what to do, and then just be amazed that all of a sudden you're controlling this machine um, in only a, in only a few short seconds and, and seeing how, how powerful that is as a concept. So that's so true. And it's funny that you bring that up because, um, one of my neighbors who my wife is really close friends with, um, she's been going through free code camp, which is a free online JavaScript tutorial system. And that's, that's what's lighting her up. So she talks to my wife, and then she's like, "Oh, I learned this cool thing about JavaScript, or I'm loving coding," and and that's what it is. It's it's that love of creation and just that that excitement over that. And so I, I definitely see that. But she's she's in her thirties. So oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I I talk to people every day um, that are just starting to get into code, and a lot of people are starting with JavaScript, right? So um, that's what's that's what's kind of fundamentally amazing. It actually took took me a while to get into JavaScript, and I, I suppose we'll, we'll move into that that sort of chat as well. Um, but what's awesome about JavaScript is this: just that it's so ubiquitous um, at this point that anybody can really. I mean, all you need is a web browser, right? You can open up the console in your web browser, and like a couple, I don't I don't know anybody can do this um, and and start writing code and, and seeing their uh, their creations really their ideas come to fruition, um, and that's sort of amazing. So you don't really you don't need to be um, some sort of prodigy or anything like that. I wouldn't consider myself anything close to that. I was just lucky that I had a, a father that introduced me to it young. Um, but uh, anybody can really, really get involved. And that's, that's what's kind of awesome about the entire JavaScript community as a whole. So Yeah, absolutely. So you did, um, I shouldn't send the questions ahead of time, and then you won't foreshadow. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. so, so you're uh, writing VB5, and you know, fast forward a few years, um, how did you wind up getting into JavaScript? Um, yeah, so, so JavaScript, my, my relationship with JavaScript is kind of interesting. So I didn't really get to, so, so I mean, I've been, I've been writing codes, um, for, for a while anyway, or had been throughout my teenage years, et cetera, but I didn't really start getting involved with JavaScript until I was seriously anyway, until I was in my twenties. Um, I spent a lot of early development, uh, even in web development, working on um, PHP, um, MySQL, that sort of stack. And I kind of view JavaScript as like a, a joke, really. I mean, I think a lot of developers, um, especially people who are hardcore backend, you'll hear them say these, these sorts of sort of like overused tropes, like, oh, JavaScript's like a toy or whatever. Um, I kind of thought the same thing. When I, when I started with, when I, the first time I ever touched JavaScript, it was like this, this toy that you used to um, generate like ASCII clocks that followed your mouse around the screen, or people used it for like soft form validation once in a while. Um, and it wasn't really like a full, I don't know, like people didn't use it to build applications. Now, when I was in my 20s and I, I started, uh, I took a brief hiatus kind of from coding to, um, to work on a, a biochemistry degree, actually. That's what I went to school for. And then when I came out of college, 
um, I kind of like reignited my love for programming. And I started playing around a lot more with JavaScript. And this was right around the time, it was right before single-page applications really became a thing. Um, but it was after the, the Node.js revolution had kind of started. Um, and I started playing around with JavaScript in the browser, and I realized that uh, for the first time, like at least in the couple, since the couple of years I had really played with JavaScript, that JS was now able to create like fully fledged um, applications in your browser. It was fast enough. Things like Canvas had just been introduced that uh, you could literally do things like game programming in in your browser. Now, the the types of programming I'd done really early on was like game programming and Visual Basic. I used DirectX and stuff and uh, C++, OpenGL, and all of a sudden seeing these like graphics APIs and JavaScript, I was like, wow, I can actually build amazing, true client-side applications in JavaScript. And that kind of just blew the doors wide open. I was like, this is where I'm going to focus all of my energy from now on. And obviously the popularity of Node.js meant that I could, uh, I only had to focus on JavaScript on both front-end and back-end. Um, I could kind of use it as this like universal language for, for development. Um, and that was super, super exciting. And from that point, I built a few small applications. I fell in love with it. Um, and then I've been pretty much a hardcore JavaScript developer uh, since then. Um, probably the last uh, six or seven, six years now, six or seven years. It's funny that you you bring that up because you talked about sort of the Node.js revolution. And at the same time, you talked about how both the capabilities, I guess, and the tools for the browser got to the point where you could do the things that you wanted to do. And what I found, because my, my journey, at least to that point, mirrors yours in the sense that I was doing Ruby on Rails and the front end, you know, it was just like, well, jQuery, you know, but, uh, you know, I did most of my work on the back end because... It was much easier, and and then all of a sudden we got these power tools, right? So uh, somebody invented a drill and you know backbone, and so oh wow, you know jQuery is a whole lot less painful to deal with because I can organize it these ways, and and then I can start pulling in things like underscore or uh, lodash or whatever, and then and then it's like you get these big libraries for the canvas, or you get um, Angular or uh, Ember or react and you know and so we've gotten these tools that make it possible for us to do the things that we dreamed about and and i can kind of see that that's oh oh okay now i can do this and i can do it in a place where it's very visual um yeah for sure for sure and that visual feedback um i think is something that's that's amazing as well right because like you uh in the when i was developing web pages and websites uh as a teenager um, I was doing, I mean, I, just the, the flavor of the day was you generate server, uh, I mean, server-side rendered HTML, right? And then you just spit it out to the client, and then you just have this static web page. Um, and, I mean, people started using Ajax and stuff and um, for a little bit of dynamicism, I guess. Um, but that was pretty much just how you did things. Um, and then when, when JavaScript really got to the point where people were like, well, I mean, it, it kind of heralded the, the single-page app kind of revolution. Yeah. JavaScript got to the point where like, oh no, client-side templating is actually like, you can do this very, very quickly and easily. Just the visual feedback you get is, uh, is so quick and so awesome. And like I said, it reminded me of that application development um, uh, from my earlier years in like DirectX, OpenGL sort of thing where like you just get that immediate visual feedback and you just feel so good about it. There's, there's like, we're talking about the rewarding of, of coding um, and to see something visually is like this next level on top. It's not like only did I accomplish something. It's like, wow, stuff is moving around on my screen. I think it's why uh, a lot of us really get enamored with um, things like game development uh, early on as well um, because of that visual feedback. So 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna sidetrack. I'm gonna ask a different question. Uh, sure. You know, and then we'll go to the the regular third question. But <laughs> uh, you know, game development in in the browser. I mean, we see people doing it. I remember. Um, I think it was Cut the Rope or Angry Birds or anyway, one of those got written basically with JavaScript so that it could run in a Chrome plugin. And um, you know, it, it's like you can real build really build real games. With JavaScript, um, and I, I'm kind of curious um, because, you know, we have the business applications that I think most of us get paid to build. But you know, can you talk a little bit about how you got into that game building world in JavaScript and, and what that actually means? Sure, sure. So I didn't I didn't delve too far um, into like hardcore game development in in JavaScript, but it's definitely what's opened my eyes to to JavaScript as like a full application layer. What I what I started in was really um, before before WebGL. I mean, WebGL is so like we talk about the, if things are a year old or like it's old, um, but even WebGL and the power of WebGL is pretty brand new. And when I when I got back into JavaScript, WebGL wasn't a thing that you could really do anything with, um, but HTML Canvas was. And so uh, the, the first thing I actually tried to do, um, and when I realized like game development and that sort of thing was tenable, um, was I, I tried to build a almost like an operating system in the browser and like my own Windows generated with like HTML Canvas. Um, and the only this, one. The, oh yeah, I know. Everybody, <laughs> everybody was doing this, right? So um, it was, uh, but that was exciting. And and the the performance we were getting like uh, sixty frames per second in HTML Canvas. I was like, wow, like literally this is awesome. Um, this was the game development platform I was kind of looking for when I was a kid. Uh, now I very quickly got sidetracked. Uh, I think when I was a kid, I was less concerned with uh, with like social media and that sort of thing. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm just going to build a game. Now coming into it in my 20s, uh, just coming out of college, um, obviously the social networking craze was huge. I'm like, oh, how can we build some sort of social type thing? Um, with like all these cool bells and whistles, and that's that's where I headed in that direction. But there's been a ton of innovation in in the game development space. WebGL. I mean, I've always wanted to get back into uh, into like HTML5 WebGL game development. Um, it's just my career has taken me on a kind of like um, not even adjacent path, like very very different path than that. Um, but it's definitely an exciting space that's like ripe for innovation. I mean, I think WebGL is is truly the future of rendering on the web. And um, players like uh, like famous actually that um, not a lot of people talk too much about anymore. Um, players like famous, I think they were really like pioneers in the WebGL space. Uh, and I think as we start getting more and more great developer experience tooling around, I mean, there's 3JS and like a bunch of awesome oh, yeah. stuff that people are building great games with, right? Um, but I, I think that's that ecosystem is only uh, is only going to get bigger and better. So, yeah. Yeah, it seems like people either go with uh, vectors, which I think is what 3JS is mostly yep. around, or WebGL, yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, our, our third regular question, um, and I'll probably not call these out after the first uh, couple of these interviews, <laughs> but the third question is, uh, what, what have you contributed or what have you done in the JavaScript community that people would know you for? Yeah, I mean, I guess the thing that people would know me best for is uh, why you had me on JavaScript Jabber last time, and that's uh, that's Nodal, the uh, the Node.js API framework. Um, that we, uh, I mean, it's been around for about two years now, I think, since the first launch. But we did the uh, we fully documented everything and really got it out there back in January. Um, and I think we have close to like four thousand GitHub stars in that project, and like uh, a lot of people are just building building Node.js APIs 
uh, very easily in a very Rails-like fashion with that. So that's probably my biggest um, my biggest contribution to date so far um, that that people would know me for. I have a ton of other um, small, uh, somewhat popular um, open source JavaScript libraries, but but Nodal is definitely by far and away has taken the cake there. So nice. nice. Um, so that being said, then I mean, what what are you, what are you working on now? What this is this is question number four, folks. Uh, what are you working on now? <laughs> yeah, so the uh, the project that uh, I'm working on now is um, a hyper hyper ambitious project uh, called Standard Lib, um, and it's uh, stdlib standardlib.com. Um, what Standard Lib is, I mean, the the almost like markety ish tagline is we're uh, we're really trying to build build the standard library of of the web. Um, the the serverless revolution that's been going on. Um, if some some people are hyper familiar with this space, some people aren't. Um, but there's this serverless revolution going on, really heralded by uh, by AWS Lambda, that essentially brings this dream that I think a lot of us have had since we we started coding of going directly from code to like shipped web products without ever having to manage infrastructure. Um, this the serverless architecture is this like highly available ultra scalable, like self-healing architecture. And what that means is just that like it, it essentially never goes down, right? I mean, if any of your individual um, units that are serving people code go down, it, it heals itself. So we're, we're utilizing this to allow people and, and building an ecosystem really around allowing people to write these scalable services in like literally a 10th or 100th of the time that it would normally take them, spin them up, put them online. Everything's in JavaScript right now. Um, (laughs) So uh, spin them up, um, put them online, and then really share them with the world or just just, uh, use them internally. Um, We have developer workflow tooling. Like uh, we have this lib command line command that's... uh, that we use like lib up will instantly deploy your service to the cloud and then you never have to worry about it, it just scales, period. Mm-hmm. And then we also have this service registry, which is standard lib, um, which you can you can register your service um, either kind of privately for your own usage or share it with the world. Um, we created like a markdown uh, service that like anybody can use and interface with. And uh, our, our developer community, uh, we have over 2,500 people now. Um, and our, our developer community is, is pretty awesome. Um, so they're, they're always building and innovating with, with pretty cool stuff. So that's, that's where we're at. Nice. So, uh, is, is the standard lib and all of the other stuff that you're working on, is that all related to your job? Um, yeah, so I'm actually the, uh, the founder and CEO of, of Polybit and Polybit is responsible for, uh, for standard lib. Um, we, we founded the company shortly after nodal really took off in popularity, um, with the idea, I mean, we'd been playing in the serverless space for a while with a- with AWS Lambda, and the goal originally was to um, to just make uh, Node.js APIs. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very easy to build, very, very easy to work with, easy to scale using serverless architecture. Um, and the, the customer feedback, like there are thousands of people using, um, I mean, tens of thousands at this point, using Nodal or interfacing with Nodal in some way. Um, but the feedback we started getting from people was like, the, the deployment pathways that you've created for like serverless architecture and like this whole concept is like really awesome. Um, but I don't necessarily want to have to learn all of the nodal API framework mm-hmm. to, uh, to get stuff out there in a, in, a, in a serverless context. So do you have something better for us? And uh, lo and behold, we said like, yeah, we'll uh, go back to the drawing board and, and see what we can create here. And, and standard lib was kind of, uh, kind of born out of that. And the response we've been getting to that has been huge. Um, we presented. We we just uh, presented at AWS reInvent actually in one, my first time in Vegas in Las Vegas uh, a couple weeks ago. 
so that was that was pretty exciting. So everyone's everyone's pretty excited about this space, and I'm I'm very I feel very fortunate to kind of be in this position. So very cool. Yeah, um, the serverless architecture thing. We had an episode on Jamstack, which is kind of a similar idea, um, and then we had Travis Tidwell on um, Adventures in Angular talking about their version of serverless architecture with Form.io. So it's it's an interesting space to be in, and just all kinds of fascinating things going on there. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, what's what's really cool um, is like with what we've built, we get to kind of foster this developer community uh-huh. that's building their own cool stuff um, and sharing it with the world, like literally on the platform we built. Um, so there's there's stuff that people have built that we didn't even think like we didn't even think of, and some of these things are just they look like toys at, at first, right? I mean, w- somebody built a chess service. That I mean, chess—you can play chess as a stateless game. Uh-huh. Um, so it, as long as you give in a board state and you give in the next move, you—I mean, it's literally just a state machine that tells you what the, what the new board state is or whether it's valid or invalid. So somebody did something like that. I was like, wow, that's pretty—that's pretty clever, actually. Um, I wouldn't have think thought to uh, to do something like that. So the the innovation that we're getting at this level is just really cool as well. That is really awesome, and it goes back to that whole conversation, right? Where things kind of clicked for you with JavaScript because there were power tools out there that allowed you to do that thing, whatever it was that you wanted to invent. And now you're building more power tools, right? So, so now instead of, you know, having uh, drills and power saws, you know, now you've given somebody basically a backhoe to come in and dig the foundation out for an entire new set of functionality and application on the web. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I think that's a great way to look at that, and I uh, like—I really appreciate that analogy. Um, and it's—it's it's very, very exciting to uh, to really be a part of. So, that's very, very cool. Um, so, to go ahead and start uh, heading down the road of wrapping up, um, I end all of the shows with picks, and you've been on JavaScript Jabber, so you understand what picks are. Um, yep. Uh, I'll go ahead and shout a few things out first, uh, just things that I'm going to share that I think are fun. Uh, what this means is that I have to come up with picks a lot more often than I'm used to. But uh, yeah, so the first pick I have is uh, the new podcast editor that I have picked up for these shows. Um, the regular JavaScript Jabber and all of that, they're with the old editor through the end of the year. Um, and then we'll have the new editor take those over as well. Uh, they're called Podcast Pilot, and they are really awesome. They've got a whole workflow for this stuff, and it's it's terrific. Um, you know, uh, it's a little bit different way of doing things than I'm used to, but at the same time, um, I think we're going to wind up with higher quality show notes, uh, higher quality editing. I've talked to the editor a couple of times, and he is terrific as well. Um, and it's run by a friend of mine named Jamie J. And so, anyway, uh, definitely check them out, po- uh, Podcast Pilot. Um, and then the other shout-out that I'm going to make is, um, and to give you a little bit of context, um, I hired a business coach, and she's got me writing standard operating procedures for a lot of things. And so I've been using a system called DocuWiki to write all of my procedures in. So it's basically, here's how you set things up for a remote conference, or here's how you um, onboard a podcast guest, or here's how you onboard a new sponsor, or things like that. So um, anyway, it's it's really great, and the wiki is just, it's a nice way of writing Markdown to get those standard things going. And finally, my last shout-out will be for the upcoming conferences. So if you go to devchat.tv slash conferences, 
you can see them. JavaScript uh, JS Remote Conf is coming up in March. Uh, DevOps Remote Conf will be in January, so there's still time to buy tickets. And we've got engineers from HP and IBM. Uh, we've got the VP of Community Development from Chef and a whole bunch of other people coming. So those are my shout-outs. Keith, how about you? What do you have for us? Um, yeah, one of the uh, one of the first shout-outs I want to do is uh, is to Vue, Vue.js, um, run by Evan Yu. Vue has... Uh, Vue has really been taking over the front-end development space, and to see Evan really accomplish this has been amazing. Um, I don't think people realize, well, I, I mean, I don't know how many people realize, I think some people actually do, but, but Evan's been doing this like solo. Um, he left Meteor um, to, to build Vue and to really focus full-time on Vue. Um, he, has a, he has a newborn kid, and he's just, uh, I don't know how he finds the time, but he's just killing it. Um, they have now surpassed like GitHub stars on Meteor. Um, I'm not going to be surprised when when Vue takes over uh, and really beats out React for uh, at least GitHub star market share. Um, so that's that's pretty exciting. So like take a take a look at Vue.js and what Evan's doing there. If you're not using it as a front end framework, uh, you should be. So so check that out. Um, and the, uh, the the shout out number two I want to give. Um, is actually into uh, kind of like the, the voice recognition and like home tooling space. Um, I, I mentioned that we were at AWS reInvent a couple of weeks ago, and we got lucky in that uh, everybody who attended the conference got free Amazon Echo Dots. Um, and like normally, I don't I don't play too much in the IoT space, uh, but we set up these Echo Dots, and uh, we uh, we were able to get like Alexa skills set up so we could just talk to the dot. Like we were able to set them up in like ten minutes. Now we use standard lib, so there's like a little bit of a self throwback um, to uh, to do that. Um, but the, yeah, <laughs> but the uh, but the the amount of, of innovation really coming out in the IoT space with like Google Home, Amazon, the Echo Dot with Alexa and stuff, it's pretty amazing. And it's uh, like any any developer just getting started with JavaScript. Um, I mean, if they're if they check out the tools that are available. Uh, the developer portal on like uh, on AWS and Amazon's website. If they use tools like Standard Lib, I mean, you can get voice commands set up in your home. Um, literally, it took us like ten minutes. Uh, so this stuff is like really cool, and um, I definitely suggest if you're like any have any sort of inclination towards like hardware hacking and checking this stuff out, even if you've never done it before, because we hadn't. Um, literally, you can get something set up in like way less than an hour, like literally ten minutes. So I think this stuff is really cool, and that's where I want to give out my second shout out. I've been wanting to write some uh, skills for the Echo. Um, I bought one for my wife for Mother's Day, I think. And she she talks to the thing all the time. <laughs> and so I actually went and I got three Echo Dots. And so I have one in my office now. And, and usually I'm just telling it to play music. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm putting one in the master bedroom and another one um, downstairs that she can just move around. So um, anyway, it, it's really, really cool stuff. And uh, I'm really looking forward to just some of the capabilities there. So, Are you still digging through log files to find errors and relying on users to tell you exactly what went wrong? Raygun Crash Reporting monitors your web and mobile applications collecting all error and crash events that are affecting your customers. Diagnostic information about the problem is made available to your entire team instantly, including which specific users of your application have been affected. There's no need for software errors to affect your users. Head to raygun.com to see how Raygun can help you create better software. To wrap up, I just want you, if if you have anything you want to plug, anything that you're working on that you think people should go check out, uh, just real quick. Um, I would also appreciate it if you share like your Twitter handle or something so people can go follow you there. 
or yep. follow you wherever you post stuff. If you don't post to Twitter, that would be awesome. Definitely. Uh, what we're working on right now that we definitely want people to check out is, uh, like I mentioned, uh, a couple of times, Standard Lib. Um, that's stdlib.com. Uh, we have this awesome developer community that's brewing. We have um, our own Slack channel that, that our developers are, are all active in. Um, and we're, uh, we're going to be putting out a lot of exciting stuff over the, uh, the holiday season, um, like how to instantly create uh, single-page applications on standard lib. Um, so you have this like free, indefinitely scalable single-page application, like Vue.js hosting, essentially, layer. Um, and also doing things like uh, how to easily create um, like Alexa skills with uh with with standard lib as well we'll be putting out a lot of material about this um so just just uh stay tuned and if you want to follow me you can follow me on twitter um they uh my handle is keith whor um and uh yeah i'm happy to uh to respond to any questions that you have for me on on twitter and continue the conversation there if anybody would like to chat awesome well thank you for coming keith this has been a lot of fun um, I'm looking forward to doing a lot more of these and just to capture some of that story, you know, who you are, where you came from and what you're about. So, uh, thanks. And, uh, uh, this should come out next week and it'll be great to hear it then. Okay. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. I, I really, really appreciate it. And, uh, good luck with the, uh, the rest of the interviews as well. I look forward to listening to them. All right. Thanks. Okay. Cheers. <laughs>